So this is that time of the year. This is Christmas. This is the last Sunday before Christmas. Christmas coming up, you know, coming up Wednesday. And uh, I just wanted to say here that being this is uh, Christmas, what we call Christmas Sunday, I want to talk to you a little bit about the birth of Christ. I have a message this morning that I want to leave with you, and it's called Jesus's Witnesses. Jesus's Witnesses. Uh, several years ago, I was in Washington, D.C. It was on a holiday, and I don't remember what holiday it was. It may have been Christmas. I can't remember. But while we were there, we went down to uh, the White House. Of course, the uh, president was gone. I think it was uh, President Obama at the time. Uh, he was gone for the uh, holidays, and the gates were locked and, you know, and all of that, it all secured. But people who were visiting that area just would go there and stand at the gate and look through the bars, you know, how, just to look at it. And same thing I was doing, I guess. And there was a guy there that was standing there passing out tracks. And I knew who he was, what he was, and pretty well what he was doing. And uh, finally, he approached me. He handed, offered me a track, and he says, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I said, nice to meet you. I'm a Jesus Witness. <laughs> so I said, I'm a Jesus Witness. And he looked at me, and his eyes got big. And he didn't quite know how to respond to that. And he said, well, you have a nice day. And I said, you have a nice day too. And we parted our ways. But there is a vast difference there. Because in the true sense of the word, I'm not going to get into that, in that faith or anything like that, their beliefs. But Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that Jesus is God. They believe he is Michael the Archangel. They won't tell you that unless you press them. And then finally, they'll say, yeah, that's right. We do believe that he's Michael, the archangel. They do not believe Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And uh, they do not believe in the resurrection, incidentally, either. But nevertheless, I wanted him to know that I, I'm a witness of Jesus. I want to talk to you here today about Jesus' witnesses because the Lord, praise the Lord, was to come. The Almighty God was to visit this earth and there are many witnesses in the Bible concerning Jesus Christ coming before he came. The prophet spoke of him. It was mentioned under the law and so forth. I'll read a verse of scripture or two here. And it was mentioned under the law. And Jesus was going to, to come. And when he would come, he was going to witness to the world. It would be things about his life, things about his, uh, his, his healing ministry, about his ministry in general. Uh, for instance, the chapter of Isaiah 53 is all about his death, crucifixion. Uh, Psalms 22 is all about his crucifixion. The whole Psalm is about his crucifixion. Many other verses in the Bible speaks about his crucifixion. It speaks about his rejection. It speaks about his, his uh, healing ministry. It talks about all the people, different kinds of healings that he would do. This is found all through the Old Testament as a witness of Jesus in his coming. And the Bible spoke that he would come. Now in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15, if we could have that on the board for a moment, Deuteronomy 18, 15, uh, there is a scripture that speaks about uh, where Moses spoke about, God first mentioned it and then Moses repeats it. This is where God spoke of it. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, this is Moses speaking, I should say, 
Unto him ye shall hearken. Notice here that uh, the Lord will raise up unto thee a prophet in the midst of, the, of thy brother like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. Now look at the 18th verse. This is almost a repeat of the 15th verse. I will raise them up. This is the Lord's speaking. A prophet from among their brethren like unto thee and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And this is a prophecy of the coming of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And from this point on, uh, there were many other verses of scripture that spoke about Jesus' coming and that he would come. And uh, in, in, uh, in Isaiah seven fourteen, it identifies that this, this prophet or this coming one would be God Almighty. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means God with us. That E-L on the end is the, is, the, uh, is the suffix and the prefix of words that mean God. And it means God with us. So this was actually a word that was saying that whenever the Messiah would come, he would be God with us. Praise the Lord. And then in Isaiah 9, that's just two chapters later, Isaiah 9, 6, it speaks a little bit further about, uh, about the, uh, the coming of Christ. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. And we're getting now into the part where it talks about his birth. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government should be upon his shoulder and his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Notice that now. In other words, Jesus was going to be the mighty God. His name would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Uh, uh, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So that when Jesus would come, he would be all of that. Praise God. So these were witnesses of when the Messiah would come, he would be God manifest in flesh. Praise the Lord. And then in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it tells us here a little bit about his birth, actual birth, where he would be born. And this is interesting, Micah 5, 2, because it tells us here where he would be born. In other words, I'm giving you witnesses about Jesus before he ever came so that whenever he came, it was no doubt, this is him. Thou, but thou, Bethlehem, uh, Ephratah, Bethlehem was the city of David. This is the city that King David in the Old Testament was from. Jesus Christ was a direct descendant of David. This is prophesied all through the scriptures. It says, though thou be little among thousands of Judah. It was in the southern part of Israel. It was called Judah. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. But it would come from Bethlehem. Praise the Lord. It's prophesied in the Bible. The Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. That's the way it was going to be because it was in the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. That was a witness to that. Everybody say praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to have you go to Luke chapter 1 with me for a moment in your Bibles, if you have them, and we'll get into uh, the scriptures themselves here. Luke chapter 1, this is where the angel visits, and the angel is the first witness. Angel number is the first witness. There are eight witnesses that I'm going to try to bring out here in the next uh, 40 minutes to you. 
There are eight witnesses here that are mentioned. Verse 26 says, in the six months, the angel Gabriel, six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the Baptist. That's what the six months has reference to. In other words, uh, Mary was conceived of the Holy Ghost to give birth to Jesus. She was conceived six months after Elizabeth, who was actually her cousin, uh, who was the mother of John the Baptist. And this is what that has reference to. And in the six months, the angel Gabriel, this is the angel Gabriel, was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Oh, Nazareth, not Bethlehem, Nazareth. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, this is the old Christmas story. Most of us are very familiar with it, and I'm very much aware of it. But I want you to notice here that, the Gabriel, that Gabriel, the angel, came directly to Mary. Now, look down in verse 30. The angel said unto her, now, he walked in the house, just a man, like a man walking into your house. And he just walked in the house and everything. And he said, blessed, uh, he said, blessed art thou Mary, hail Mary, and so forth. Thou will go on down to verse 30. And the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. The name Jesus, he means Jehovah is salvation. That's what the name Jesus means. Jehovah's salvation, uh, or Jehovah, or the I am, or the tetragrammation, and I won't get into all the, the name of God here, but anyhow, it has reference to that, or Yahweh is, is, is Jehovah. So anyhow, he says, verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Verse 33, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Everybody say forever. forever. And his kingdom, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. This is what this angel now said to, to Mary. And Mary was getting it firsthand. I mean, he was right there in front of her talking to her. So that there was no mistake about what he said. And he goes on to say here, verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know no man? I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come over upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. In other words, she shall, be, she shall conceive of the Holy Ghost, not of a man. And this is, of course, what was being brought out by this angel. And the Lord sent that angel. Now, that's the first witness is an angel visits Mary and tells her she's going to have a child. Now, I want you to go to Matthew, if you would, chapter 1. This is where an angel visits Joseph because Joseph is espoused or engaged. Now, we call the word engaged. Espoused is a little stronger word uh, involving a marriage. When people were espoused together, they were almost like half married, only they were not, it had not been consummated yet. The marriage had not been, and it was not official yet. And so they were a spouse to each other, and they were going to be married, but it had not happened. And here's what happened. Verse 18, 118 of Matthew, 118. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together. 
That means before their marriage was consummated. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, that is a good man, and not willing to make her a public example, he thinking that she had had an affair with somebody, and she's supposed to be a spouse to him. Now she's had an affair with somebody, and she's pregnant. And so being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was mindful or minded to put her away privately. Put her means divorce her from being, being espoused to him. In other words, it was, a, it was like a minor divorce of that engagement. He was willing to do that privately, make no deal out of it, just say, no, we're not going to get married because uh, you've gone off and done something you shouldn't have done. But look at verse 20. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Everybody see that? God works on all the angels, folks. He covers all the bases. And he appeared unto him in a dream. <laughs> now, with Mary, he shows up right there. But with Joseph, it's in a dream. Because Joseph, praise the Lord, perceived, understood, received it in a dream. And every time the angel appeared unto Joseph from here on out, and he did it several times, he always appeared to Joseph in a dream. And to Mary, he was there in person. But with Joseph, praise the Lord, it was in a dream. Because Joseph said, a dream's all I need. God, you show, you talk to me in a dream, that's it, I understand. So he appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear Just dead. You still hear me okay? All right. Thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt that, he, that the angel had said to Mary, for he shall save his people from their sins, because the name Jesus means Jehovah hath become salvation or is Savior. So I'm just pointing out to you here, here's the first two witnesses was these two angels, one angel to Mary, one angel to Joseph, praise the Lord. And uh, now I want you to look in Luke chapter two, go to Luke chapter two for a moment here. And uh, we were just in chapter one and I'm gonna go back to Luke chapter two. And this is the actual birth here. And I want you to look at this very closely here, and I want to show you some things, how God operates. Verse 1, 2, 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, Jesus is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, in Judah, way down in the southern part of Israel. He lives in that, the, Mary and Joseph live in Nazareth. They live in Nazareth. I mean, they're originally from down in that part, way back there. But for years now, they have lived in Nazareth, which is up in Galilee, the northern part of Israel. And they've been there. That's their home. That's where they live. Everybody in town knows them. Joseph is a carpenter. I mean, that's where they live. And time rocks along, and Mary is eight and a half months pregnant. And there's a scripture in Micah that says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Are you following me here? It ain't going to happen. That's common thought. It can't happen. 
She approaches nine months and they're in Nazareth. And if this is to be the Messiah, Micah 5, 2 is wrong because he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. But God covers all bases. There's the emperor of the great and the largest and the mightiest empire on the face of the earth sitting in his palace in control of everything sitting by himself in his big old throne chair and a little thought comes in his head that God puts there and says to him, I think it's time to tax all the people and they need to go back to their hometowns where they can give an account for where they are from so they can be properly taxed. How that all fitted in and why that was necessary, I have not no idea but it was the way that it was done in those days. And all God had to do was just put it in Caesar's head, Augustus Caesar. All he had to do was just bang, he was there. And he thinks, I got an idea. I think I'm going to do this. Folks, you need a pay raise? God can put it in your boss's head to say, you know what? I think I want to give her or him a pay raise. Praise the Lord. You need a new job. You've been applying for a job. God knows how to work like that. Don't ever be stingy with God on ties. I'm serious. God can work behind the scenes. He can do anything. When it looks to you, maybe things are going to all go bad. God can just think in somebody's brain and he thinks, you know, I got an idea. I think, I think I'm going to do it. I think, I think, I think. And, and, and while he says, I think, or she says, I'm thinking, it's not him or her thinking, it's God putting it there for them. So all of a sudden, this great emperor of the whole Roman Empire, God is going to, is going to move the empire that his word might be fulfilled and that not one little jot or tittle would pass that it will not be fulfilled right on target. Because he had said, it had been prophesied there and in, in, uh, over in Joel that he would be uh, he would come from Bethlehem. Now, so that's what happened. So here it says in this first verse, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Verse three, all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And that's why he went, that's how he went, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. So here he went. But don't you know that was taxation on Mary? That was a hard struggle. She was nine months pregnant riding a donkey or something. That's what we always see pictures of. She's riding a donkey, you know, riding, going all this miles and miles and miles, traveling down to Bethlehem couple hundred miles or 150 miles. I forgot. I don't know. I can't remember how long before it is. But here she was riding this donkey, you know, and going down there and trying to get to Bethlehem and trying to do everything. And it would look like a hardship. And sometimes you may say, I'm in God's will, but <coughs> it seemed like I, I'm going through some hardships. I don't know why. Why? Why do I have to go through this hardships? God has his way of doing things. 
but it, it always comes out right and it always comes out the way God wants it to come out. God is in control, folks, of everything. He's in control. So here they were making their way. They're making their way right on down, you know, through the land of Palestine, right on down through uh, out of Galilee into, into Samaria and on down through the province of Samaria and on down into Judah and on down into the under past Jerusalem on south of Jerusalem and under Bethlehem and everything. And so finally it goes on to say here, verse five, to be taxed with Mary, this is their traveling, his espoused wife being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished. Of course, because God had said he would be born in Bethlehem and that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. And it just mentions about him being born and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes? You know what swaddling clothes were? They were rags. They were like strips of cloth, just cloth that you use to wipe things, to clean things. There's no garments. It wasn't a little coat, a little, a little, a little hat, a little shoes for your feet. None of that. It was just old claws that happened to be where they were. And it, it says that she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Wait a minute, a manger? A manger, wait a minute, a manger is what cows eat hay out of. That's what, you know, that's what the, the, the goats and the sheep eat hay out of a little manger thing. What do they mean they laid him in a manger? What's that all about? They don't say anything about why. And then finally the last sentence, because there was no room for them in the inn. So there was no place for them to stay. So the innkeeper had to say, I don't have no rooms. I'm sorry, there's no place for you to stay. Uh, you're welcome to stay outside. He said, my wife's expecting a baby. Well, you're welcome to stay out in the, in the barn back out here. But we got the cows and the goats and the sheep and the other animals out there. You can stay with them, donkeys, whatever they were and everything. Just put right, And that's where Jesus was born. Folks, don't you know that Jesus could have been born in the biggest and greatest and most fabulous palace in the world if it had been God's desire. Now listen to me closely here. God is so merciful. He is so kind. He wants all mankind to know that God has extended salvation to whosoever will. I don't care how rich or how poor you are. You can be as poor as a, you know, lower than a gnat's heel, as they say. I mean, you could be so poor, you can't rub two pennies together. And yet God loves you. And yet he understands where you are. And he purposely and deliberately put two wonderful, outstanding people, both of them direct descendants of King David. You understand? They were, they were, they were the children's king. King David, the greatest king of Israel. They were both direct descendants of David right, over many generations. And I'll tell you all of that so that you understand that these people were not just commoners, so to speak. They were themselves of royalty. But God, praise the Lord, put them in that position. And Jesus being born and laid in a manger, born in a stable, laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, 
so that nobody ever has to feel like I'm unworthy to come to Jesus. We are all unworthy, believe me. We are all unworthy. So I don't care if you've got a billion dollars in the bank, you're unworthy. Praise the Lord. And if you don't have anything, we're unworthy. But I just want you to know that God's extension to save us is there for whosoever will. And this is the beautiful thing about the Lord. And he wanted the whole world to know that his Savior, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that came, praise the Lord, born in this, rather this stable, place of this manger, that he might say to them, anybody can come to me. You don't have to say, oh, this is way up there for the big and the great and the high and the mighty. No, 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 it's for who. That's why the Bible says that the common people heard him gladly. They were the ones that received the gospel. Can you say praise the Lord? Lord. Where would you be if God had not had that kind of a plan in mind when he brought forth the Messiah? Where would I be if God had not had that kind of a plan in effect for the Messiah? Let me move on here because Jesus here gave the salvation. Now, so you have here uh, these two wonderful people that gave, that brought forth, Mary that brought forth the baby and Joseph right by her sides there. Look at verse eight. And there were in the same country shepherds. Now here's another witness. Here is, uh, here's another, this is the uh, third witness. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks. And lo, the angel of the Lord came. Now it doesn't say angels, it says angel, that's singular. Only one angel. It says the angel of the Lord came unto them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. That means that angel appeared there in front of them, I guess up up in the air or the sky, and that light shined all around them, and it must have scared them half to death. And it says they were sore afraid, verse 10, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, all people, The coming of Jesus was not just to uh, Israel only, but it was going to be for all people. And uh, and it goes on to say, uh, let me pick up where I'm leaving off here. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And of course, Christ means Messiah. And, uh, So he was the Messiah, he was born. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so this one angel gave them that testimony. You go find him, he's there. You can find him just like we're telling you that he is there. I'm telling you that he's there. Now, look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now it's not just one angel, it's a whole bunch of them praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now most of us know all of this all by heart, but the thing I'm trying to bring out to you here is that each one of these was elements of a witness of one of the greatest things that ever happened on the face of the earth. They witnessed, they bore witness that Jesus Christ was born and they were telling this, these shepherds. And then the shepherds went. Look at verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, 
they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they went and told us, so they are a witness. So there was the angel, there was a host of angels, all saying and confirming, this is the Messiah that's come. And then there's the shepherds that saw it for themselves and says, this is the Messiah. And how could they deny it? How could they go there and say, wait a minute, this is a baby that's just been born and he's out here in a stable and laying in a manger. I'm supposed to believe this is the Messiah. But when the angels up in the heavens tell you that, and they're all giving you a witness of it, and there's a light shining all about you, you better believe it's going to be just like he said it would be. You'll go there, you'll find him lying in a manger. When they went there, they saw him. I don't care how humble the environment, this is it. This is it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, thank God for a beautiful church. Thank God for our soft, nice pews. Amen. It's going to get more beautiful before they get... I mean, it's going to get a little bit dirty around here, dusty, I should say, before they get through, but it's going to be a beautiful, it's still going to be a greater and more pretty church. But I remember when the, we went to church and it wasn't all that beautiful. I can remember when we went and sat on wooden pews and church service sometime were a long time. I remember when we didn't have air conditioning. You'd open up windows on one side and open up windows on the other side and the wind would blow across like that. When we got able, we'd put fans in the windows and blow them out, blow one side out and blow the other side in just to try to keep cool. You understand this is Florida churches. Yeah. I can remember when we had slat pews, you know, just it was handmade by guys in the church. They just got their skill saws and they got together and they built it. And we were thankful to have church. Glad we could have a wall on each side. I can preach. I remember preaching more than once. The church, a little old small church, little small church, country church, filled with a bunch of people and outside people sitting in cars out there, all parked outside, listening to the service inside, you know, and, and when they take the offering, they went around inside, then they went outside and went around to all the cars. <laughs> <laughs> and when they got it all, they only had about $18, maybe something like that. But I'm just trying to say what God has given us is wonderful, but it's all of the Lord. God is in it all. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't care where you are. I mean, whether we're like the missionaries overseas and they have very little, but God, praise the Lord, is in it all. Hallelujah. Let me move on here because uh, there's more yet to come here. Now, I want, we're still here in Luke chapter 2. Verse 22, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, uh, this was after about 30 days, 35, 40 days. Uh, actually, it comes out to about 41 days in total because it was eight days later uh, Jesus was named and circumcised. This is in verse 21, I believe it is. And then 22, after the days of her purification according to the law, which is found in Leviticus 12, if you ever want to read it, two, verse, two, verse 2 through verse 6. And, and then it goes on to say that after that, they brought him to Jerusalem. So this is like about Jesus about a month old here or maybe about 40 days old. They brought him to Jerusalem. Now look at verse 25. Everybody with me? Stay with me here. Now we're looking, going to look here now at the sixth witness. We've had the angel. We've had the multitude of angels. We've had the shepherds. We've had the angels that bore witness of Jesus' birth uh, before that and so forth. Now we have here uh, a man that's going to meet them. 
This is verse 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon. Now they took him to Jerusalem and, and it was time for a purification. She offered two tur- turtle doves for sacrifice over there. And the man, same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, Simon. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And he understood this had been revealed to him. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed him. So this man Simon saw the baby Jesus and he took him in his own arms. And this is what he says, the Lord now let thou thy servant depart in peace. Let me depart in peace, Lord, according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Again, all people, not just Israel, but all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. So I'm pointing out to you here that here was another witness and they walk in the temple and they were following the procedures and so forth. And then suddenly this man, Simon, picks the babe up and he prophesied and speaks about it over. And he says, Lord, you know, let me just go in peace. It's amazing that there's a scripture in Psalms 91. I just want to refer to this scripture. Let me just refer to this last verse in 91. And long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I wonder if that's a prophecy of Simon. And it says, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. And uh, let me just say this to all of you. If you've got a pen and want to write this down, don't ever forget Psalms 91. 91, God bless you, sister. 91 is a psalm that will lift your spirits when you feel like you can't, you have to reach up to touch bottom. I'm serious, folks. 91 Psalm is, is 90. Psalms 91, sometimes just read it. Amen. I don't have time to read it all through, but it's got fabulous scriptures, one behind another. <clears throat> and it, starts, it talks about the righteous man or woman, the person who walks with God. And if you just walk with the Lord, and it goes on to confirm over and over and over and over and over, I'll never forsake you, I'll never leave you, I'm always there. I'll help you get through everything uh, and so forth. Then finally, it, it concludes with that last 16th verse, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, I thought I'd just throw that in for free. That's from Psalms. Amen. God bless you here. Praise the Lord. Now, we're still here in Luke chapter 2, and uh, they brought him to the temple. Simon walks in, and Simon, praise the Lord, uh, uh, picks him up and prophesies or speaks about him over and knows that he is the Messiah. Now in verse 36, something else happens while they're there in the temple. Same time. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher or Asher. She was of a great age. Doesn't say how old she was. Great age. Had lived in 107 years from her, I mean, had lived with a husband 
seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. She was a widow for 84 years and she had been married for seven years before that. So you can figure it out. And then she was, you know, she had to be of age to be married. So let's say she got married at 15 years old. She was, she'd widowed for, she was married for seven years. And then she had, she was widowed for 84 years. That'd be 106 years. So this woman had to be about that, if real close to it, 106 years old. Anyhow, he talks about her age and that she, and I'm going to read verse 37. She was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And she went about witnessing and testifying the Messiah has been born. He's here. Praise the Lord. And these people all gave witness and spoke of his greatness and his goodness. Now, the last example that I'm going to give you here, praise the Lord, is the one about the wise men. If you've got your Bibles and you want to turn to Matthew chapter 2 with us for a moment. Matthew chapter 2. This is about the wise men coming from the east. And I've got here just about five minutes. And I'm going to wind this up. Two and one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And uh, he goes on to say that, you know, Herod was upset about it and he wanted to know where was this king born because he was king and he didn't want nobody threatening him. He said, well, you, he called in the scribes and the scribes said, yeah, Micah 5, 2 says he'd be born in Bethlehem. And so Herod says to these wise men, okay, you go to Bethlehem and find him. And whenever you do that, come back and let me know so I can also worship him. And that's not what he wanted to do at all. He wanted to kill it. And of course, now these men did not arrive the same evening Jesus was born. They arrived days later, many days later. There is a tradition that they came about about January the 6th. How many are aware of that? This, any of you? I see two or three hands. About four, yeah. January the 6th is about when the wise men arrived. And when they arrived, Jesus was not in the manger anymore. He was now in a house. He was in a house and so forth. And so that's where they went to see him then. Uh, you know that 12 days of Christmas? You know, the first day of Christmas, blah, blah. The first day of Christmas is December 25th. Then if you count the 12s, it takes you to, to, uh, it takes you, I guess, to January the 6th, something like that. I think that's what that's all about. That's sort of a strange song, but anyhow, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I think that's what it's all about. But anyhow, the wise men showed up. Now I'm going to read this two, uh, two and one here. I read that one. Let me go over here to verse uh, 11. And when they, that is the wise men, were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were the gifts that they gave him. To make a long story short, it was after men had been there and so forth that the angel appeared again to Joseph, and Joseph took his 
took Mary and Jesus down into Egypt and stayed there until Herod died and then they came back and they went to Nazareth. And I won't get into the details on that. Only to say that these wise men likewise were witnesses. They had seen his star in the east. And that star is said to have been prophesied and spoken of by those Jews, Jews who went in captivity over into Babylon and Persia 500 years before. And they had spoke of it. And these wise men were men who remembered that these Jews had said there's a Messiah coming and there would be a star in his east. And that's also prophesied in the book of Numbers that there would be a star, star from the Lord that would come and so forth. And so they saw a star, they followed it. I don't think it was a comet. I don't think it was uh, uh, anything like that. I think it was a star. They could see it right up there because it said it came and stood over the house where they were. So they followed that star and it led them to Jesus Christ and they gave him frankincense and myrrh. And this likewise, these things were all prophesied in the Old Testament. I'm going to read here Psalm 72:10 very quickly. Psalm 72:10. I'm watching my time. The kings of Tarshish and the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Verse 15, he shall live, and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. And then it goes on to uh, speak of uh, other things that are mentioned about him. I, let's see if there's another verse. Uh, I think Isaiah mentions it. In Isaiah 63, the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Verse 6 of Isaiah 60. The multitudes of camels shall come cover thee. The dromedaries and the Midians and the Ephra, uh, all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense and they shall show great forth the praises of the Lord. And of course, it doesn't say how many wise men. It never says three. It just simply says that they came, praise the Lord, and that they brought gifts. And it says about them, it names three gifts, gold, incense, and myrrh. And it could have been a dozen kings. It could have been six of them. Who knows how many there was. But they were witnesses that Jesus was born our Messiah. Praise the Lord. And then he went into obscurity. Praise the Lord. Into Nazareth until it was time for him to come forth and bring to us the salvation of the gospel. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? Aren't you glad for the beautiful story of the manger? and the, You know, I... I don't know why we don't see more manger scenes. I, you know, the Christmas get to be all about everything else but, manger, but, the, but the manger scene. And I had one out in my front yard. It blew up. You know, I mean, you, you go like that. That's when I say blew up and everything. And then the motor went dead on it and it all shrunk up. So I bundled it up and put it in the garbage and it's gone. But I wish I could get a nice manger scene. How many of you have manger scene? Anybody have manger scenes in your yard or someplace? God love you for it. Amen. And I think God will bless us if we'll just keep on remembering what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus coming. And thank God for his coming. He came to save us. Where would we be had he not come? Let's stand together, give him the praise and glory. Let's thank him this morning.